0: Welcome to Into the West, uh, Middle Earth SVG podcast where we discuss the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles. With me today are Richard, Ian, Alexander, and special guest Sean Rosato. G'day, lad. Sean is joining us from Australia, and um, today he'll be joining us to discuss the Garrison of Dale. And following that, we will be discussing local metas versus international in our open topic. So just jumping in, starting off with a few questions for Sean. So, Sean, what is the um, Australian scene like? And uh, what would you say that your gaming experience
1: is like in your local scene? Honestly, it, it changes from state to state because obviously Australia is such a big country. Each state kind of has their own separate community. We've only recently just gotten a, uh, an Australian community coming in. But each community is brilliant. There's a lot of interstate traveling, and keep in mind it's like two, three hours on a plane to get to the other side of the country to, you know, go into these tournaments. But everyone I've met is absolutely lovely. Best hobbying community I've ever been a part of. I think, you know, just Lord of the Rings is what really brings everyone together.
0: Is the competitive scene big down there, or is there like a pretty even split between casual or narrative players?
1: i think there's more of a competitive scene uh there are a lot of narrative players so you know the likes of the green dragon jeremy loves his narrative play but then you've got other players like kylie who you know absolutely love the competitive side of stuff i personally dwell more into the competitive side of the game because i'm just a naturally competitive person
0: (laughs) how did you get into uh, this hobby and have you been playing the game for a long time
1: So I got into this hobby when the um, – what was it called again? The magazines, the Middle Earth magazines back in the day. Battle Games of Middle Earth? That's the one, Battle Games of Middle Earth. So I did them when I was – I don't even know how young I was at that point, probably like five or six or something. And so I used to just paint them up with my dad, and then I never really understood the rules of the game, but I used to just get the good guys and the bad guys and just slap them together and be like, oh, that guy died, that guy's alive. But good would always win because, you know, that's what you wanted. (laughs) Um, And then we moved to Korea. The whole family moved to Korea. So the hobby just disappeared for me. When we moved back, I found a few models sitting in a box and decided to give that a whirl. So that was in 2010. And then I just have continued on from there with about a four or so year break in the middle. And then recently got back into the game pretty heavily about two years ago.
0: So right around the time of the most recent edition.
1: Yeah, so literally as I jumped back into it, I think the the combined edition Hobbit, Lord of the Rings combined edition had just come out. So perfect timing, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been great. So today we are obviously talking about the Dale army list. Is that
1: one of your favorite factions? (laughs) 100%, 100%. I'm absolutely in love with Dale. I will, in any opportunity I can to throw in the words Garrison of Dale into anything, I will throw it in there, whether that be on a Facebook post or an Instagram post or anything. If I can, yeah, if I can spread the word of Dale, I'm doing it. Um, (laughs) Any other armies you would say are are in your favorites? My top favorites of what I'm playing at the moment, Corsairs for sure. I've just started playing them recently and I'm absolutely in love with them.
0: Now you mentioned Instagram. I know on Instagram, your handle is two banner minis. Is that a hard rule you follow? Because I remember you've mentioned this to me in the past that you like taking two banners in every army. Is that like a hard rule you have when going into a tournament?
1: That's it's a fairly hard rule. Yeah, depending on the points. So I went to a 200 point tournament recently and I didn't take any banners, Um, (laughs) which felt bad. But then I look at that 500-ish point value, and that's where I start looking at taking the two banners. Definitely at 650, I've got two banners in there. So anything above that 500 point, I've always got two banners.
2: Wow, I'm looking forward to talking about this
0: more. This is quite a controversial point. <laughs> <laughs> Locally, I rarely see, uh, see two banners. Or even like, just across North America when we travel for events, I've rarely yeah. seen two banners in an army. Like, even in a thousand points, it's like,
1: two banners? Where? (laughs) Nah, that's that's crazy, because, yeah, here, banners are... You see banners everywhere here. Banners are just crazy good, man. Like, the amount of times a banner has saved me is outrageous. I just can't not take them. They're one of the first things I look in when I'm building a list.
0: You must have been really excited uh, two years ago when Dale finally got the banner option.
1: Well, (laughs) yeah. because i remember dale back in the day and yeah, not being able to take banners and then came back into the to the hobby and then when i decided to do dale i looked at their profile and went oh geez banners sweet let's go yeah that's it <laughs>
0: Let's jump into our army list review, the Garrison of Dale.
2: There was the city of Dale, its markets known far and wide, full of the bounties of fine and veil,
3: peaceful and prosperous.
0: The army bonus for Dale is that the Captains of Dale and Warriors of Dale have their shoot value increased to 3+. plus. Um, yes. So, is this an army
1: bonus that you always want to keep? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You do not sacrifice that shoot value with them. You you have to keep it. Because you, you kind of take Dale as a almost a pseudo-horde list. And you can spam out bows. Uh, I say spam out bows. Like, 800, you get, what, 12-ish bows, plus gearians, so potentially 15 shots a turn. You want that 3-plus shoot value everywhere.
0: Yeah, and Girion being the only named hero, you'd just be walking up on captains after that.
1: Oh, yeah. And honestly, the, those captains after the Urukai captains, and I'm going to ignore most other Hobbit profiles because they're kind of ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Dale captains are outrageous. They go toe-to-toe with most.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on the army bonus, that's something you definitely want to take because like, it's the reason why you take Dale. I remember... Um, in a previous episode where we talked about our uh, top bowmen. And I know it was a controversial pick, but I think I picked the Dale Archer as my top at the very top. And it's for that reason, because the strength three bow and then the three plus shoot value at nine points, it's like a cheat version of Vanel. Like you don't get as cost efficient of stats, but at the same time, they're just shooting down the opponent. So you don't need the mm-hmm. fight value. You don't need the courage as much. So yeah, it's, it's really scary.
1: And if you're going up against an elf army that doesn't have blinding light, you're out shooting that elf army. And you've got the same skilled bowman or same skill level bowman as as the elves. Yeah, For cheaper. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm.
0: So because of how bow limits work, how you have to count them within each army as opposed to your whole force. We'll go through your army list later, but it doesn't seem like you would be taking advantage of an army bonus if you do like a historical alliance. Like, if you allied them into Army of Thor, it doesn't seem like you would be able to take very many of these guys. So it doesn't seem like it's a very good alliance, at least at first glance.
1: Well, it definitely depends on how heavy you go on each side. So I haven't sent you guys this list because I haven't played it yet. I've only built the list, but I do go heavy with my Dale, and I have a few guys from the Erebor army. So I think that's a 1,000-point list, and I still get the same 12 and then up to potentially 15 shots a turn with my Warriors of Dale.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So yeah, it really does depend on how you build the list, but I would, personally, I would max out on, on Dale. Yeah, close to pure, or pure. Oh yeah, or, or close to pure, yeah. yeah, that's it.
3: There's probably the one other way you could do it is, like, if you just have Girion allied in, just for, like, the five Honesty Bows into an Erebor army, I think that's an option if you want those. But that's, like, an Erebor focus.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that becomes yeah more erebor focused, which is still still incredible list. is still a great list. So
0: yeah, but f- for that five honesty bows, you have to take ten Dale warriors without bows, which are kind of redundant in an Erebor list with all fight four and higher defense. It just doesn't seem like you would want those ten Dale warriors.
1: Yeah, no, they wouldn't be the most useful things going around. But yeah. hey, if you give them spears, it's something.
0: Right. So there are only three profiles. In the Garrison of Dale army list. So the first being Geryon, Lord of Dale. So he comes at base 75 points. Seems like a general mid tier man profile. You've got the fight five, the strength four, defense six, two attack, two wounds, courage six, three might, 201 fate. Comes with heavy armor and a sword. And he can call heroic accuracy and heroic strike. He has two options the Windlands for 75 points and the Great Bow for five points. And he has two special rules. First one is Windlands trained. Basically, it's just, it breaks down the rules for um, the Windlands siege weapon. And the second one is Rapid Fire, which allows him to potentially shoot up to three times a turn. It's the same one Bard has, correct?
1: Yes. So with that Strengthful Great Bow, potentially three shots, yeah.
2: Mm. I was going to ask Sean, I know you're the expert on Dale here. But have you been able to get the Windlance tour? Oh,
1: Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> n- no, it's a piece of junk. I'm going to try not swear. Swearing's part of my vocab, but I'll try not to. Um, yeah, it's a piece of rubbish. I hate that thing with a passion. I had one, and um, Andreas, if you're listening to this, sorry, mate, but uh, I did destroy it after the tournament because it is trash. Um, <laughs> Andreas, he... Um, he 3D printed a Wind Lance for me, and, you know, I just I couldn't keep it. I had it on my shelf for a few days after that tournament. I went, nah, I just don't want to look at that thing. I genuinely, yeah. Um, <laughs> Is this the Andreas all the memes are about? Yeah. <laughs> you might know him on our Instagram as Metallic <laughs> Studios. Yeah. The absolute meme lord of the Australian community. <laughs> so I know the idea of the wind is not very good with Bard because Bard
0: is also like a combat hero, but Geryon seems to be like a cheaper hero, so it seems like it would be better with him because you're not wanting to always throw him into fights. But looking at the wind profile, it just like it doesn't have the piercing shot rule that the list does have, and it doesn't have volley fire, so it's it can only really do damage to one model per turn. Is that correct?
1: Yes, and when you take it with Geryon you lose the black arrow special rule. Which doesn't make um, sense,
0: because in the movie, he yeah. had like 10 black arrows.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the wind lance doesn't make sense. It basically turns into a strength 10 immobile bow that you have to sacrifice Gereon to sit on it for the entire game at the back, you know, back six mm-hmm. inches of your board. So you miss out on his great bow most of the time. You take the great bow over the wind lance any day of the week. And then you miss out on the only model in your army that can strike.
4: And that's a huge loss. Sounds to me like you took a scene of Girion loading the wind lance and just popped it in the middle of the movie, and then it just never appears again. Yep. Neither does he. The whole thing is just that scene, and then the rest of the movie, and Girion's gone. Yeah, when I look at it, especially for 75 points, I'm like, that looks like a massive sinkhole of points, especially with Dale, Like the overall cost of your warrior's it's one of those things that's like this looks like it has a cool moment like every 10th game but that's it otherwise in, it's one thing that, where it's like yeah. have you, have you ever been hit by a really big arrow just once that's it
2: i i mean i mean it can be used as a pretty big flex though where like you're like i can actually beat you with a wind lance in my list and like how demoralizing is
1: that that's um, kind of what I turned my Windlands into. So at this 800 point tournament I was at a while back, took the Windlands and essentially what what is it? Gear in plus the Windlands is just under 200 points. You're missing out on 200 points essentially. So I was running around with about six 600ish points beating 800 point lists. And at the end of the tournament, I was like, that's that's something. That is truly something. And that's all it is. It's just a bit of a flex. <laughs> So, apart from
0: the Windlands, you would say that Gyrion is an auto-include, right? In a Dale list. Oh. You, you wouldn't take a list
1: without him. No, he's the first thing you include. And yeah. it's, as I said, it's solely for the Great Bow and that Strike.
0: The Strike, yeah. And being the Hero of Valor, when you're trying to spam out, it gives you a couple more Warband space, yeah. obviously.
1: Yeah, That too, that too.
0: And
2: just uh, not to be overlooked, that the Courage 6 and 2 Will is actually quite good, considering the Captain of Dale only has Courage 4.
1: That's no, it's very, very handy.
0: So the next profile is the Captain of Dale at 50 points. And I just did a comparison. Looks like he has the same stat line and points cost as a Captain of Numenor. You got the fight 5, strength 4, defense 5, 2 attack 2 wounds, courage 4, 2 might one will one fate, comes with armor and a sword, can call Heroic March, and has 2 options. So this is a little different from Captain of Numenor. So you can take an Esgoroth bow for 5 points, which is a strength 3 bow, effectively an elf bow. And then you can take a shield for five points. So, when you're trying to maximize your shooting and try to win like a shoot war, I know people typically prefer a shield on their captains. Would you ever take the bow
1: instead? Yeah, so it really depends on how I'm feeling, to be honest. I've got my captains, I've got some bows that I've just kind of glued onto them so I can switch out depending on how I'm feeling before an event. But yeah, it really depends. Some days I like taking just shield captains and just throwing them in. And other days I like sitting back with my bowman or bow captain, sorry, and using that might to kill, yeah.
4: So, so one question yeah, I, that brings up for me, because if you play like a 600 or 800 point pure Dale list, you only have the two hero options. You have Girion, who's an auto-include, especially because he's really not that expensive. If you give him the bow, not the wind lance, and then you've got captains, and I'm thinking when you get above that, especially above that 600-point threshold, when you've got captains, they do generally the same thing, but would you then mix up, give maybe one or two shields and give another one a bow so that you have a variety of different capacities for those heroes? Oh,
1: yeah, no, 100%. And once again, it really depends on how you're feeling at the end of the day. That 800-point list that we'll probably talk about soon, um, that's got six captains in it, and I took them all with shield because that event I knew that I wanted to get gritty. I wanted to get into combat as soon as I could because I had the wind lance sitting back that I, I knew was going to be useless. Um, <laughs> but then if I take it to another 800-point event where I don't have the wind lance, then I'll start looking at uh, maybe two or three captains. I'll give them bows and the others will I'll give shields. Yeah, it, as I said, it really depends on how you're, you're feeling and how you want to play the list. Because it, surprisingly, it is quite a diverse list, even though you've only got one troop option.
3: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't see the diversity I feel like I feel like the, the captain's bow option is kind of more attractive simply for the fact that they can't get to that critical like, defense 7 with the shield. So you're like, mm. you might as well take the bow because it's a pretty good bow and they get become pretty decent with it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I do like getting, as I said, I do like getting my captains in there with the shield and shielding with them if need be. When you've got six of them in that 800 point list, you don't feel like you have to be killing stuff with your captains. You can sit back and you can shield for a bit. If you can get three captains on a big hero at strength four, if they botch, chances are they're dead. And then those captains have the might to confirm that, that kill. Yeah, it all comes down to how you want to play it, really.
0: Okay. And then the one warrior profile is the Warrior of Dale. uh, Seven points. Fight four, four plus to shoot, strength three, defense four, one attack, one wound, courage three. Comes with armor and sword. Options are Warhorn for 30 points, Banner for 25 points, Escaroth Bow for two points, Shield for one point, and Spear for one point. Yeah, so they seem like reasonably costed Warriors being one point more than like a Warrior of Rohan and having one more fight. So at seven points base, you are able to kind of spam these yes. in your list.
1: So I definitely wouldn't call Dale a horde list by any means, but I guess you could somewhat call it a pseudo horde list. where You can spam out numbers, you can get big numbers.
2: I think you definitely can go the horde route, but yeah. It definitely depends on how you want to play this, because if you go with maximum numbers and something like 800, I don't know, you could probably get up to 50-something models just like a Corsair list, right?
1: Yeah. Well, my, uh, my 750 list is 40, what is it, 42 models from memory? I don't have it up on my phone yet, but yeah, I think it's about 42 models, and that's including a few special named people, so... So
0: I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about those lists, but I have to say, looking at the profiles, I don't really see what is super competitive about this list, (laughs) because your warriors are capped at defense 5, and it doesn't seem like you can spam them out as much as, like, Army of Lake Town, for example. You're also at, like, a strength 3 army, so, like, you don't have the hitting power, and then you're also missing cavalry, so... Really curious to see how... Because I know you've had success with them in like local tournaments and stuff. So really curious how these ones you're able to make work. Because just just looking at the profiles on paper, it doesn't look that great of a list.
1: Yeah, well, no. On paper, Dale is pretty terrible. And that's what everyone told me. So I actually started playing Dale. I was going to one of Australia's premier tournaments, Arda Unleashed. And I was going to take Thranduil's Halls. I had my army ready. And it was ready to kick butt with, you know, palace guard spam, okay. essentially. And then it was probably like three weeks out to the tournament. I decided, nah, I'm sick of sick of angels Hall. I'm sick of these, you know, good armies that, you know, will just tear through bits. So let's take something that's kind of bad. And I stumbled across Dale. I hadn't seen anyone ever play Dale before and went with them, and everybody chewed me out for it. I got absolutely ridiculed. Because I said to him, I was like, I want top 10 at this tournament with Dale. It's going to happen. Missed out by a point, sadly. Missed out by one point getting into that top 10. But, hey, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but, no, they're not, yeah, on paper, they're not a competitive list. But I think they just suit my style of play. And I think that's that's why, for me, they are competitive.
3: How do you feel about Warhorns in the list? Like, is
1: it just something you take just to have more variety <laughs> to make your guys better? <laughs> Honestly, I have never taken a Warhorn in my, you know, MESBG career. I've never taken a Warhorn up until my current Corsair list that I recently just built. And it's the first time I've ever considered taking a Warhorn. So, no, with Dale, I haven't even thought about the Warhorn. I think it's that Courage 6 of Gyrion that makes me think, ah oh, it's not super necessary. And Courage 4, Captains, it's not the worst. So...
2: Yeah, I think what Ian's trying to get at, though, and I think we'll talk about this later with the different metas, but what we see here is a lot of courage or, like, terror-causing armies. So it's not just about the break test, but it's, it's about charging the front line, usually.
1: Well, yeah, with that, in most cases, I will happily sit back and I will shoot them, and I'll take out a large percentage of their army, like going up against Angmar. I'll happily just sit back and shoot and I'll wait for them to come to me. There's only been one game where I had to go to them and I struggled because of my courage. And that was Heirloom of Ages Past, where they got, the, um, they got the heirloom on the first roll and they chucked their shield wall of 50-something orcs in front and sat back with their Shade, their Witch King, their Barrowites and Spectres and whatnot and said, come at me. And that's where I struggled.
4: Have you heard how much we dislike heirlooms? Oh, so that do scenario? I. Scenario? Terrible. Sitting back and shooting and not worrying so much about charging with the courage test, I think you and Ian are going to be, like, best of friends. <laughs> <laughs> Love
1: that. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah. Now, I'm not someone who, like, I like my opponent to have fun as well, so I don't like to always just sit back and shoot. But when you're going up in against an army that, you know, brings you down to what courage one and they've got 50-something models and you know you're not going to make any decent charges... You gotta sit back and shoot. If so they're guess, gonna play Angmar, I'm gonna play Filthy as well.
0: <laughs> so I guess with Dale, since they have like quite a few weaknesses, I guess your main strategy is just to shoot down the threats that you can't deal with in combat.
1: Yeah, shooting down those threats is important. Um, getting heroes of horses. I'm a big advocate for not always taking horses and on your heroes, like. But that's for another discussion. I guess I could go on for that about go on about that for hours. Um, but yeah, taking out heroes on horses, uh, taking out their numbers. And and that's a big thing I find in the Australian community is taking out numbers. It's not, it's not saying that we take horde armies all the time. Once you can whittle down numbers, you start to see people go, okay, I'm struggling with numbers. I'm not sure how I'm going to achieve this victory. I think it's that psychological game that
4: also comes into it. I can attest that this psychological aspect of losing a whole bunch of your army before you can even manage to get into combat is uh, pretty rough. Uh, there's a story that I think we've told on here before about Ian's all-foot Rohan army, and I charged in, I had Mordor, and I literally I went straight at him because that's all I have. So I try and get in re- really quickly, and on one turn, I had my right flank, and on the next turn, I did not have my right flank. His shooting... Yeah ended it in a turn and at that point I was like I don't know how I'm winning this game I've lost an entire flank and we have started fighting yet so it's it's pretty devastating (laughs) the tide of Rohan but I did that against um
1: my mates dwarves not so long ago where I can't remember the game type but anyway I decided to sit back and was like I'm not gonna be able to get through these defense seven dwarves you know I'm going to struggle. So I thought I'm just going to shoot as much as I can. And I was able to take out a large percentage of his force before he got into combat. And then that's when those two full war bands of Dale warriors were able to come in, surround and trap and take out everyone.
0: All right, let's move on. And oh, before we do that, we are going to give our scores or, or ratings for um, the Garrison of Dale. So between 0 and 10 rating, the army's competitive level give me a peak fat
4: zero <laughs>
0: <laughs> no you wouldn't give it a zero
4: this is a really tough rating for me not just because there's only three profiles but because i don't think i've ever played against dale maybe maybe a couple times like allied into something but I've definitely never played like a, a full-blown Dale Army. so it's it's difficult to really come up with a, a strong idea of just how good they are for me. But I think based on the strategy that you've outlined, you've had a lot of success with it, but I, I don't want to kind of let that overrate the army for me as a whole. Yeah no, that's I think not. just across the board, I want to say they're probably a, a seven just because I I see a a few real gaps. We'll probably talk about that more when we talk about your army list, though, and go over how that gets mitigated. But I I think there are seven. They've got a pretty good leading hero, and I do like the bow options, obviously. There are gaps, but we'll talk about those.
0: I think I'm going to sit at a five here, and I'm going to attribute your success due to your skill. (laughs) I think this uh, army lacks a lot. Historical alliance with army of Thor does help. Because that army list has quite a few uh, good heroes. So I think it helps this army list out a bit. But there's a lot that this army is missing. So I I would say that it's not really like a forgiving list to play. Like I wouldn't be very confident running this at a tournament. So I think five is like an average out of like all armies of the game. So right like kind of in the middle there. I think there are lists that are a lot less competitive, a lot weaker than this one. And there are a lot of lists that are a lot stronger. So.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of with Charles on that. I I think I'd probably put it at a five as well, except maybe at, like, really low points levels, like 300 to 400 points, it'd probably bump it up to, like, a six, just because at that range, the numbers you can get of fight four guys, like, it's actually really good. Like, it's kind of weird. You can kind of see it in the game, like, especially the other comparison is is with Urkai, like, Fight 4 lists don't do very well at higher points, but then at lower points, they seem to become a lot stronger just because that mass of Fight 4 is a lot more useful and there's way less things that can counter it, I guess.
1: Richard? Be nice to me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before I go, I wrote a quick list for Ian. It's at 800 points, we have Girion, four captains, and 55 Dale Warriors, and maxing out bows. So you get Beautiful. twenty bows and Garians three shots a turn. So
1: Thank you, yeah. Richard. Thank you.
3: That actually sounds kind of like
1: like gross. <laughs> that that army list is giving me hot punches. Like, sure. No no
2: banners? <laughs> oh, Just okay.
1: Both. I take that back. Give me them banners, baby. Okay.
3: Yeah, I, I mean I, in this case, I think he could drop a few bows
2: for a banner, drop a few models, <laughs> maybe go down to, like, 19 bows. <laughs> okay, okay, so I I guess, like, that kind of a meme list, but it kind of speaks to what I think about this army a little bit, because it's like, in my opinion, it can do really well against the right armies and in the right scenarios. But to me, it kind of just seems like Rangers of Ithilien, because you're really relying on the same strategy of shooting down the opponent, and then when they get into combat you have your squishy fight for horde army try to surround them which i think is strong at low points but it has issues as it scales up and it doesn't have as many um of the hero options as well compared to rangers of hathelion so i think i kind of agree with charles here like i think it would absolutely smash certain armies but then against certain armies you're just going to really struggle with in a tournament and honestly I haven't seen any lists here ran, but that might, again, be due to meta, because I know Sean has done well with Dale. But it's just so rare in North America that I can't give it that high of a rating. So I think it's going to be a 5 for me.
1: Hey, look, I'll take a nice average 5. I'm liking that. (laughs) It's better than what everyone else said when I first started playing, so...
4: I think maybe it's just because of the the strategy that you outlined that makes me feel like it's better than a five. But that's also because I've played a lot of armies that have just demoralized my playing when I'm being shot at for a long time without any combats. Ah, I obviously ah, like ah. I played a lot of games where we didn't get to combat until I only had to have my army left. But <laughs> No, it's, I think that's something where, obviously, it does have a lot of holes, but I think, obviously, the more you play it, the more knowledge you have about the army, the better you're going to do with it. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of really understanding exactly how your army works. Some of the alliances and what we've seen in your list today, I think, will be really good to talk about how to mitigate issues with the list.
1: To be fair, if I was writing this list, even with you know me playing him for the past, what, year and a half, I would probably still just give him a six. Like, I think that's the, probably the right point for them is about that, that six-ish mark.
3: So what armies would you rank as worse than Dale?
1: <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> everything. Everything. Dale is top tier. S tier. Nothing better. <laughs> um, Now, without trying to meme Dale, which is what I do on a daily basis, it's what I live for at this point in my life. <laughs> worse than Dale? Sharky's Rogues. Sharky's Rogues, I think that's just worse than anything at this point. Men of the worst. Um, yeah, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> certain Mordor lists, for sure. Oh, I kind of want to say any list that does not outshoot Dale is that they're, they're going to struggle. Biggest threat to Dale is, is shooting. If they get outshot, then it's almost game over. Like even magic doesn't really concern Dale. I've had Girion not do anything in a game because the Witch Kings just compelled him and transfixed and done everything to him. And Dale's been like, eh, that's fine. You can take him. I've got these captains who can do just as good. <laughs> so I, I don't want to be that guy that says there's lists that are worse than it. I think a lot of it comes down to players and how much they enjoy playing lists. That's my biggest thing. And I think that's why I do well with Dale is because I genuinely enjoy playing Dale. I've seen people do really well with um, the Duridan just spam Durden because they enjoyed playing that army and they want to do well with it so it's kind of just instilled in them that they're going to do well and they end up doing well
0: interesting let's without further ado get into the list that you've shared today to our listeners all of our army lists can be found on our facebook page just search into the west podcast on facebook and there you will find all of our army lists and more content do you want to go over your first army list Your 600 points
1: one, right?
0: Yeah. Let us know what's in the list, break it down, and then give us like your general strategy.
1: Yeah. So this is the 600-point list that I used to win a friendly tournament within my game group, which is a subgroup of you know the Queensland League. So it was was a pretty small tournament. There were about 10 of us, but I'm still going to classify that as a tournament win because Dale, love them. So Warband 1, I have gear in with a great bow. Um, So that's 80 points for him. Then I have 10 Warriors of Dale with Bow, all in the same Warband. Warband 2, Captain of Dale with Shield, 9 Warriors of Dale with Spear and Shield, 1 Warrior with Banner, Spear and Shield. Uh, Warband 3 is exactly the same Warband, so 1 Banner with Spear and Shield, 9 Spear and Shield. And then Warband 4 is where I start to ally in Ereble Model with Young Dwalin. Uh, So the general tactic with that depends on what armies I'm going up against. Young Dwalin, I use him to assassinate heroes, or I will use him to just drop my opponent's numbers. If I can get him into a combat with a bunch of Warriors of Dale and then heroic combat off that and continue to trap, that's what I'm looking to do with Young Dwalin. And that's what I'll use his two might for, because that's sadly all he has. But yeah, the general tactic is I kind of sit back, I will adjust my two warbands, which are just the spam, spear, and shield. I'll adjust them constantly moving around the board and trying to split my opponent's force. And then I can start consolidating to one side and take out that one force and use the, um, the bowman to take out the other side or the other split part of the force. And that's generally how I play Dale at all points levels is trying to split up my opponent pulling them in, and taking out groups of them at a time.
0: So,
3: because you have
1: so many captains, usually,
3: do you end up um, like doing a
1: lot of heroic marches in your games? I honestly don't. I will heroic march if it's an objective-based game, and that's how I mitigate not having any cav. You know, let's say if we get Reconnoiter. I've got enough might to heroic march my way up the board. So, yeah, that's... I don't really use march too often. I like to use the captain's might for confirming kills or getting heroic moves if, if need be to get that priority.
2: So you don't ever uh, heroic march backwards to kite at four inches a turn? It,
1: it obviously comes down to the situation. I've done it a few times before, but I'm not looking to do that. If I'm playing day or right, right, I'm moving when I need to be moving at the perfect time so that I don't need to use the might for the march.
0: A question about the number, the model count. So at 600 points, 34 models is kind of average. It might be a little higher than average. And since you're trying to spam out bows as like your main strategy, would that model count be a little bit low, especially when you're at defense four and five? Yeah, it's it's
1: definitely, for Dale, yes, it's it's a little bit low. But listening to the Green Dragon a while back, one of their, their sayings was, it's the tale of a good player when you commit your bows into combat. And and I kind of live by that, trying to commit them at the right time. So that's where my bowmen aren't just bowmen. I'm happy to throw them into combat because they're still fight four. I can throw them in and I do have that spear support sitting behind. But in terms of model count, and yeah, it, it's about average for that 600 point. But by the time my opponent gets to me, they're probably going to have lost, you know, not a conservative estimate, about 10 models.
0: Right. One more question. So I noticed that uh, you've allied in Young Dwalin in this list. I'm just wondering, did you pick Young Dwalin just for his hitting power? Because generally, at least locally, we kind of see him as not one of the top picks from Army of Thor. Because if you compare him with Young Thorin, Young Thorin is only 15 more points and his stats just seem so much better. But I understand Young Dwalin has like the Dwarven Fury, and he can he can like piercing strike to strength six. So I've never actually used the Young Dwalin profile just because the Young Thorn always seems like a much better choice.
1: Yeah, no, Young Thorn is definitely the better option. But using Young Dwalin kind of like a hand grenade just will never not give me joy. But to to be honest, when writing that six hundred point list, I wanted to go pure Dale. But then I was sitting there with 85 points left, and I didn't know what to do. And I started flicking through the book, and I realized, Young Dwarven's 85 points, let's just throw him in. So that's how he made the cut for this particular list.
3: I could see the benefit, though. I mean, if, if you get the trap off against somebody, you've got basically six dice, and if you do your special Dwarven Fury, you're rerolling all fails at, like, probably strength six.
1: It's pretty nasty. Yeah, he, he will munch through most things. And that's why I really do like Young Dwalin. That's why I take him in my other lists. It's just, it's beautiful, honestly. Rerolling failed wounds. And and when you fight four, if you're going up against the fight three army, you throw Young Dwalin in with the spear support or whatever else, and you're like, yeah, cool, I'll drop his fight value. That no stress. And if you're constantly doing it, even against regular chaff, and you decide to hurrah combat as well, chances are you're going to mince him
4: to nothing, so how you go about typically mitigating the fact that you don't have any cavalry.
1: Yeah, so as I said, that's um that's basically what I would use the heroic march for if need be. Yes, you, you don't get to charge, you don't get the charging bonuses and, and all that, but just being able to run up the board, jumping onto objectives, that's what I would use the heroic march for. And when I do take cav in armies, which is very rare, that's what my cabs for. It's for capping objectives, not for killing. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I think Dale suits me because I'm I'm not a big cab player. I mm-hmm. like I like my
4: equipment. I always have. At six hundred points, you've got uh, combat hero with Young Dwallen Again, bows. We've already talked about the bows in this list, and then two banners. Which you know, I, I think here with the exception of when I take the King's Champion, and I get it automatically in the profile. You don't see it a ton, but it's a uh, really useful. You cover most of your battle line with that. So I've got to say, I think this is probably a hero of Valor list for me.
2: Okay, I'm not gonna go too in depth. I I like what you're doing here. It's just yeah, like I think until I. S- see it maybe we'll have to play one day you'll have to show me the power of two banners i can't quite get behind it yet especially <laughs> at 600 points and I, i'm just thinking yeah without that banner we could upgrade the young dollon to young thorn it would be perfect <laughs> but you know like you've obviously like I, I think just looking at it i would probably say a fortitude but you know you have won a tournament with it so you have proved it so You know, I'll I'll give this, I'll move this to Valor.
0: Yeah, I got to agree with Richard here. Like, maybe it's just really bizarre and we don't see it locally, but uh, spending 50 points on banners at such a low points value is really shocking. I think 600 points is at a low enough points where you won't see a lot of magic. And I think this list can do well, especially with the strategy that you've kind of laid out. I think I would still try to get the young Thorn in there, especially because he has one more might. And I think this list, you know, it wouldn't hurt to get more might in there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with Richard's rating of Hero of Valor. It's a pretty good list. But, yeah, if it was me, I'd probably try to swap the banner for either the young Thorn or get a few more guys in there. But, Ian, what do you think?
3: So I I, I kind of disagree with you. At this level, I kind of like the double banner. Like, your, your numbers are, like, good. They're passable enough, considering, like, you still have decent fight value, and, like, you have a good n- number of bows. So with the double banner, it basically is just... It, you have a lot of two-attack heroes in there, like Geryon and then the two captains. So having them with a spear support and a banner behind makes them just so much more reliable in combat. So your combat line is going to look kind of weak, but then when people close with it, it's kind of it's going to have those points where it's actually quite strong and can still do damage. So I like the double banner because it's going to cover the whole line.
2: Yeah. Um, what I'm hearing is that you're committing to bring two banners to our next 600 point tournament. Do it. Do <laughs> okay. it. <Call laughs> okay. Honestly, the, the
3: funny thing about this is, is I wrote up a list last week for our like for a 600 point event with two banners in it, and I'm actually oh. really was considering it <laughs>
1: before this. <laughs> I think I'm in love. Me and your mummy. But
3: yeah, I, I I think it has some decent potential. So yeah, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give it a valor. Yeah.
1: Just to touch on the two banner thing again. The big reason I love taking two banners, especially with Dale, I do have my entire line with spear and shield. So no matter what, I'm getting spear supports somewhere. Especially if I've just got a block shield war going on, I've got spear supports in there. Suddenly now you're looking at three attacks with fight four, you know two from your guy in combat one from spearman and then that reroll from banner if need be and that's it's quite deadly and especially when it covers your entire battle line essentially you might miss out on one or two combats on the far flanks but two banners will comfortably cover your entire line or the important parts of your line because i don't i don't like having one banner and having to having that stress of running it through my back line of where is this banner needed most. I like being able to go, all right, cool, here's two banners. I just put them there, and they're covering everything I need.
2: I, I will say that if you're going to go double the banner, Dale is probably one of the better lists to do it in because of the high amount of numbers and the fight
0: for. Because you
2: don't want to be losing numbers if you're spending so much on banners.
0: Okay. Okay. But why don't you go over your second list, your 750-point variation of Dale?
1: Yep. Now, all these lists are relatively similar, because there's not much you can do with Dale. So, when I said before that it's quite a diverse list, it's diverse in, I guess, the playstyle, not your list configuration. So, Warband 1 is Girion with his Great Bow, and 12 Warriors of Dale with Bow. Warband 2 is Captain of Dale with Shield, 9 Warriors of Dale with Spear and Shield, 2 Warriors with Shield, 1 Warrior with Banner, Spear and Shield. Warband 3 is identical to Warband 2. And then Warband 4 is Young Thorin with the oaken Shield, and Warband 5 is Young Dwalin. So that's 12 might, 41 models, and that's 750 points on the dot. Now, that list is the play style, as I've said multiple times, it, it depends on the situation. I personally don't like having one strategy I fall back onto. I like seeing what my opponent's bringing to the table. It all depends on how they deploy, what their first move is like. I hate having priority for the first few turns because I like to see what my opponent's doing. I like to see how they play, how they move, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it all comes down to how my opponent is, and that's when I figure out what I'm going to do. Uh, Young Dwalin, Young Thorin, similar to um, to the previous list with Young Dwalin, they're assassins essentially. I throw them into big heroes. You've got Young Thorin with his call to arms, where all arable models go plus one strength. lose Young Dwalin? And then you have Young Dwalin using his special rule, where drops his fight value, re rolls failed wounds. You heroic strike with young Thorin, you heroic combat with young Dwalin, and suddenly, I don't care what hero you've got, I'm probably going to kill it. Especially if I've trapped them, if I've got other models around, you know, just chances are they're dead. And that's what I tend to use those two for, is just that they're the machine, they're the grinding gear, whilst the Warriors of Dale are holding the line. So obviously this is once we're into combat, because shootings happen. Once Warriors of Dale are holding the line, shielding where they need to and whatnot, you've got young Thor and young Dwalin just munching down the line, taking out captains, taking out big heroes, taking out regular chaff. They, they can really kind of do anything, those two.
0: I think I like this one better. I like the three striking heroes. And, you know, while the previous list, it seems like you're going to rely on Dwalin doing most of the work in combat. I don't know, I think at 750 points, having the addition of Thorin with the combo that you described is really nice. I'm a little bit more convinced of the two-banner strategy at 750 points. <laughs> a little more convinced. And I like how like your warbands are a little more filled out. Personally, when I play, when I write lists, I don't like having so many single drops. In Maelstrom and Battle, just the worry of having like a hero being on one side of the board alone or them having to use all of their might points in order to deploy with your army. I I just don't like having to worry about that.
1: I've actually had a situation where that's happened with this list, where my entire army deployed exactly where I needed them to, or close enough to, and Young Dwalin deployed other side of the board, and I was like, don't really want to use any other might. to use. I'll just see what happens. He ended up getting surrounded by, I think it was, it's between six and eight Morgul Knights. Definitely six eights, probably. I think it was six, but he was able to just dispatch all of them. And so suddenly my opponents lost their cav in in their game because admittedly it was probably a mistake on their behalf, just constantly running in to young Dwalin, just leaving everything there to try and kill him. But, you know, the fact that young Dwalin was able to do that, it did drain all of his resources. I think he had one wound left, no fate, no might, absolutely nothing and then he sort of just slugged his way across the board. He did get killed by Bowfire before he got to the rest of the army, but he did a job.
0: It seems like if he killed four knights, he would have already been close to making his points back, so I think that worked out yeah. in your favor. But but if the Mortal Knights weren't there, and he just got shot, then it would have been then awful for you. Story. Oh
1: yeah. yeah, that's another yeah. story. I, yeah. I definitely see your, your point there with Maelstrom Battle, but I feel like that even, even with full warbands, Maelstrom Battle is just gut-wrenching when you're rolling those dice. Like, mm-hmm.
0: So I'm just thinking, like, as an alternative, maybe you could drop Young Dwalin and then put in, like, 9 or 10 warriors of Erebor with Thor and then you would have a Defense 7 line. Um, mm-hmm. But then that would be quite a different list because you lose that combat combo that you were speaking of earlier.
1: Yes, and, and I do... I don't want to say I rely on that combat combo. I definitely don't rely on it, but it is such an... Such a nifty trick to have up your sleeve, and especially when you're you're standing there and you whittle off these four things that you're going to do, and your opponent's just like, oh, "What the fuck? What was that? Come come by me again?" And then you kind of explain, they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, game over, I'm I'm done here." It is handy to have. So having that grim hammer line, especially with throwing weapons, I would go grim hammers over warriors variable. Sorry, but having those throwing weapons with your warriors of Dale that have bows is. Is a beautiful sight, and that's actually how I play Dale at a 1,000 points. It's exactly the same as my 750 list, except I add in, I think it's 14 Grimhammers. So suddenly I've got this defense 7 front line with throwing axes, supported by Fightful Warriors of Dale, and then obviously the Bowman.
3: I'm and much still got more axe, interested so. in the throwing weapons now.
1: My ears have perked up. i heard the magic <laughs> word. Yeah, so suddenly you've gone from this already amazingly shooting army to an even more hectic shooting army.
0: Yeah, so I like this list a little better than your 600-point list. I've also got to give this one uh, a Hero Valor rating.
4: No comment, just Valor.
2: <laughs> I, I, I have a question. Who is your leader in this list? Is it Gyrian or is it Young
1: Thorin? Oh, no, Gyrian.
2: And the only reason why I bring it up is, yeah, because with the Oak and Chili's Defense 8 and three fate but yeah i agree that you definitely want Gyrian because he's just the way that you use the models he'll yeah he'll be a lot safer
1: yeah like honestly i think every game i've played that 750 list dwarlan and young Thorin have died because i (laughs) i kind of don't care they're going to do their job they'll make their points back if they kill a couple of captains and they kill a bunch of troops they've done their job so that's where i'm not i'm not too fucking. Hey, look, those two guys alone did 10 wounds on Smaug in one of my games a few years back. So, yeah, they obviously Fair. died, but they, they did damage. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, getting Dolan Red... to that Strength 7 that one turn
1: is juicy. Yeah.
2: If only his Weapon Master
0: worked. <laughs> have you ever called Heroic Strength with Dwalin?
1: I think I have once. I think I've done it once. Strength
0: 10, Dwalin with re-rolls.
2: <laughs> That's just... wait, wait, if he's strength 10, can he act like a battering ram and, like, break down a gate?
0: <laughs> I think maybe in the Richard, all, editions. Stop, all editions.
3: Stop it, Richard. We're not talking about <laughs> Dwalin battering rams or freaking B-17 eagles here, okay?
2: <laughs> stop it. Bad Richard. There's a whole
4: episode you guys need to do. Just Dwalin with a We've already done the cribane. Cribane
2: bombers? Yes.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, on topic. Uh, yeah, I like this list a lot, and I think I think this is would be a really fun list to play. I think I would give this a uh, strong valor.
1: I like it.
3: So <laughs> I feel like usually I'm the nicer one in this kind of a situation, but I actually like this one way less than the the 600 points one, and I. <laughs> I I guess it's just like the numbers. It's it's not like doing it for me exactly because for seven fifty you got what forty one models. That's not terrible with the banners and stuff. I I don't know. It's not quite there
1: for me. I'm not sure why. Once again, by the time they get to me, they've lost a few models. So that's where I'm not really concerned with model count. I'm happy to be in that average range. You know, average range model count for that points level because. By the time they get to me, chances are they've lost a fair few models.
3: Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, just, I also feel like at, at that kind of points level, there's, there's going to be more counters to your bowspan. Like even like a, like a siege weapon or just some blinding light is going to be uh, challenged. You know, you're going to have to work around, right? Anyway, I, I think I, I'd probably go with a, a fortitude for this list. Maybe,
0: yeah, yeah. I'll just leave it at a fortitude. Okay. So, Sean, your final list of the day, which is 800 points let's go over that one looks interesting <laughs> very interesting
1: all right ian if you hated my last list you're going to absolutely hate this one you might just want to cancel the call eh? <laughs> um so it's gyrion without the great bow no great bow because it's taken the Windland.
2: <sighs> it's a legend this is a legend list
1: i <laughs> uh, hate it 10 warriors of dale captain with shield nine warriors of dale and one Warrior of Dale with a banner. And then second Warband, Captain of Dale with shield, nine Warriors of Dale. They've all got spear and shield, I should say. And then one Warrior of Dale with banner, spear, shield, and then four Captains of Dale all with shield. Um, (laughs) The bows
0: are all in Gyrion's Warband?
1: Yes, yes. In all army lists with Dale, I put my bows all with Gyrion in one big firing line. It hasn't failed me yet. (laughs) So for this 800-point list, I knew that I was going up against the Smaug round one. It was a grudge match, so that's why I decided to take the Windlands Bit of theme. Uh, to start off with, the Windlands did nothing against Smaug. It didn't even get to shoot against Smaug. So what's the point? <laughs> the Captains of Dale absolutely minced through Smaug. I think I did 15 wounds on Smaug, and that's solely because of the Captains. And just, you know, admittedly, I'm having having to wait for Smile to botch. But when he does, the captains are in there, using their might happily to chuck wounds on him. But yeah, this this is that list, the 800-point list, or pure Dale, 100% pure Dale, so no allies, that I was running around this tournament, where technically I was running a, what's that, 650-point list at an 800-point event, because the Lance is a piece of shit, and I will never stop saying that. <laughs> But the four captains, or the technically six captains, when you put them on the table and your opponent suddenly goes, oh, cool, so they're just captains, and then you tell them, no, they're fight five strength four captains, defense six, which isn't nothing special, they start to sweat. I honestly don't know how I played that list because it's just, I don't like it. I don't like this list myself. I look at it and I cry. I sent it to you guys because I hated it so much. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's a comment I don't think any guest on this show has said yet. I sent you this list because I hate it. I hate it with a passion. Back on the Wind Lance, because this list is solely
1: just to talk about how shit the Wind Lance is. As I said earlier, it's a strength ten immovable bow, right? Yes, it can auto kill heroes, but chances are they're just going to survive it with their fate. So it's useless. It killed it was a five game tournament or was it five game tournament? It was however many. I killed one captain of Dol Amroth with the Wind Lance. That's the only hero I killed throughout the entire event with the Wind Lance. Apart from that, it just shot down regular troops. Although, this list did win me a 12 0 victory against an all mounted Dol Amroth list in Reconnoiter. So, that's something. <laughs>
4: That's confusing. But Wait. Okay. Yes. A, a game in which <laughs> you faced something that had all cavalry. Yes. It outmoved you. You yes. had an immovable, massive bow. Yes. The objective is to move quickly, and you won. Yes. Guys, can we find like an applause sound effect or something? Is there a button <laughs> here I can press? Because that was. That's 10 a, heroic that's, marches. A, Go! That's a. Pretty much. That's Yeah, Pretty pretty much. It was. Sit back and shoot absolutely
1: everything. Tie up what was left and march off the boards. The captains won me that game because the captains would go into combat, heroic combat, and they would just jump between the swan knights and just take them out. And then use their last point of might or whoever had might left over just to fang it up the board.
0: Did you consider um, giving all six captains Eskaroth bows? Because having might on your bows... And since your main strategy is to shoot everything,
4: um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would be such a terrible idea. If you don't kill the targets you want to kill from shooting in combat, it feels like it's going to be very hard for you to win anyway. So you might as well commit to that strategy. That's that's how I'm thinking about it.
1: Yeah. No, um, once again, it's it's that how I'm feeling kind of thing. And I don't know why, but just for this event, I went with all shielded captains. No rhyme or reason just because I did. To be fair, a lot of my list building is because I can, not necessarily because it is the best thing to do.
0: One last question about this deal list. How did you end up placing in that in, in that tournament, the five game? Um,
1: I came fifth out of, oh, I think there was, I'll need to double check, but I think there was either just under 30 or just over 30 players think of it's okay. just under 30 players. Yeah. So I placed 5th, which I was very <laughs> happy with. Okay. Um,
0: well, then the Windlands isn't isn't bad. I mean, you got 5th.
1: <laughs> no, I, I it, It's
0: not it's not because of the Windlands. Um No. So I <laughs> I actually don't hate I know this list is probably the weakest out of your 3. But I think it's like one of those specialized armies where they're very good at a few specific things, but then certain scenarios will just kill that army. So I think this is one of those situations that you probably played a couple scenarios that were really heavily in your favor. Like I can see this army doing well in like maybe like Storm the Camp or something.
1: I I can actually tell you the, the games that we played. So the first one was Capture and Control. The second one was Reconnoiter. The third one was Heirlooms, and that's the Heirlooms against that Angmar list, where I got absolutely minced with my Courage 1. And the fourth one was Fog of War. So, yeah, I think a few of them, I think Fog of War kind of was beneficial for me, but I think a few others, in most cases, you probably wouldn't assume they would do well.
4: Well, I imagine having a really hard time trying to determine which captains A through F you're trying to protect in Fog of War. It's like putting a little ball underneath some cups and the cups around and saying, which one's it under now? I wouldn't be able to tell. In fact, I'd probably lose track of the captain I was trying to chase and be like, I can't remember which one it was. And I'd just be trying to kill all of them. To mitigate
1: that, sorry, for my opponent's sake, I actually call this the Dale Power Ranger list. Because all my captains of Dale have a different colored base rim, just to tell them <laughs> apart. So there's purple, green, yellow, blue, orange, awesome. and red. Yeah. It's very kind of you.
0: <laughs> as much as you don't like the Windlands, I don't think it deserves like a terrible rating because you know it. You have this shooting strategy, and obviously you finish fifth, so it can work in in certain scenarios, but. Yeah, so I think, I think I'm think i going to go with the Hero of Fortitude rating. Like with the previous list, you might have issues in Maelstrom, because I can't imagine rolling for four single drop warbands. That would just give me over-the-top anxiety doing that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it, it can do really well if you come against the, the right list, the kind of list that can't do anything about being shot at, and also a scenario where you can start far away and just using shooting to your maximum advantage.
2: So, I got to disagree with Charles here. I really don't like this list and I I think this just speaks to you as a player. So, props to you for doing well with this list because yeah, I hate this. I <laughs> I I do not think like like people Savage. should be bringing this to a tournament if they want to do well so huge props to sean
1: <laughs> it's i hate the list too man so <laughs> hey look give it the lowest rating possible because that's what i give it in fact i don't even give it a rating i just throw it in the bin I, as i said after this tournament that win lands was crushed in my hand like
2: <laughs> all right as a special request I will give this list to Independent Hero, our first Independent Hero award. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations!
1: Oh, it's an honor. It's truly an honor. I just want to thank my my family, um, (laughs) you guys for giving me this award. It's, I'm gonna hold it a special place in my heart.
4: I wasn't gonna go that far with it. That was an aggressively low rating. I don't know. I'm trying to look at it critically. Obviously, I don't like it as much as the other two lists for the reasons that we've uh, essentially just like, there's no use beating a dead horse, but there is use in beating a dead wind lance.
2: Good thing there's no horse in this list to beat.
4: You're right. You're right. There are no horses. There's none. It's just like having uh, Caliborn in your list. I do actually like having kind of the larger number of average captains just because I feel like it gives you a lot of heroic march, which can be quite useful in objective scenarios. Uh, they are, you know, defense six, it's they're not it's nothing overly special, but it's also a bargain kind of in, in points cost. I wouldn't be so happy about having to deploy four single drop war bands either. But then again, models are a bit low, and the biggest reason your models are a little bit too low, it's it, it's the Windlands. The it's Wind Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in unison now. Yeah. Uh, the Wind Lance, I feel like 75 points for the cost of uh, Warriors of Dale would get you a, but probably, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to do the math in my head, three quarters of a warband. Which would be quite a nice little bump to your model count, and I'd probably yeah. take that over the wind lance. I would take most things over the wind lance. The only thing I would not take over the wind lance is accidentally missing seventy-five points in my arm. <laughs> um, Do you
1: know what? To be honest, I would probably consider that over the wind lance.
4: Not, not um, using <laughs> the seventy-five yeah. points. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> yep.
3: then Gideon's doing it. something.
4: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh great, no, that's but... true actually. Wow. Um that's 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 really unfortunate. Can I just I make love... you touch on the six captains, sorry.
1: Yeah, what, go for it. You you guys were talking about this not liking the single drop. When you're not doing Maelstrom, having those four single drop captains is incredible because suddenly now you know where your opponent's deployed. Because as I said, I, I have my Bowman in a big bow block firing line. Suddenly I now know where my opponent is, I get to choose okay. That's who I want to kill. This is where my bowmen are. Bang. They're dead. Well, hopefully. But yeah, that's why I went with those four single drop captains. That was a big reason. Yeah.
3: There was a point I I wanted to touch on. Like, I I guess it comes down to personal preference for deploying, like, all your bows in one warband or spreading them out. But I definitely agree. If you're going to put them all together, having something like this where you have a lot of drops so you can see where to put them is, is really important. So you can get the most out of them and get like the optimal firing lane. As for the list, I... uh-huh. Uh-huh. yep, it's it's a it's a list. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I'm a little torn. I guess uh-huh. I kind of want to give it a fortitude, but it's like just because like you did pretty decently with it, and like having seven guys at five two attacks that's that's decent for like a call with two line. banners behind it yeah so like again your combat line is actually like deceptively decent because of that I uh, I want to give it like a low fortitude I'm not sure if I'm there yet but I'm I'm kind of that's what I'm thinking
4: Ian's made a point there that's really kind of thrown my initial assessment a little bit sideways my biggest concern, I think, really is that because the the Warriors' defense isn't particularly high, with only 37 models, and of course, like you said, with the Windlance, Gyrian really is doing nothing all game. But having all those captains, it's almost a little bit like having to play Charles with his half-trolls, where you just have a whole bunch of these really big fight-five things with two attacks running around hitting things. Now I'm torn. Thanks, Ian. I now am also crossed up between a minor hero... And low fortitude, yeah. Having six captains with shield is nuts. Now, something I don't know: must gyrion stay with the Windlands? Yes.
1: Oh. Um, oh no 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 no. Sorry, oh. he, sorry. He can move away from the Windlands.
4: He's not restricted to buggering off from
1: it. So there is that benefit. But then once that happens, once again, you got 75 points sitting at the back of the board doing nothing. And that's I think that's what really the Windlands comes down to: is it If you leave it, no one else can use it. Only Girion can use it. So it's not as if you can have, you know, a minus to your shoot or whatever and throw a couple of warriors onto it. It has to be Girion.
3: I guess everybody missed the memo on training day.
1: Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Just didn't show up. They knew how useless it was, and that's why they
4: didn't show up. They were like, training day? We're (laughs) never going to use that thing anyways. I'm not going to that. Dragon? What's a dragon? (laughs) (laughs) Famous last Um...
3: one. Okay, so, Alex, now that you've brought up that point, that the, the Courage in Breaking, I'm, I think I might go to a strong minor hero because all those captains are excellent in the line, but they're all also Courage 4, and it's not going to be too hard to break you at 800 points considering your defense and the model numbers. Mm. And those captains are going to start running.
1: Oh, yeah. They did. They do and they did. So... <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's almost there, but yeah, I think it might be a a
1: minor for me. Yeah, it's a minor. Yeah. Thank you all for the low rating. I love it. So <laughs> I'm just really happy about that, because fuck that list.
3: <laughs> One last thing on the windlands. If it was half the cost it is right now, so let's say thirty five points,
1: is it still like something you would consider taking? I think that like- would make me consider it. It wouldn't be one of my first picks, but if I had a spare 35 points and I didn't want to take a third banner, then sure, I'd probably take the Windlands.
4: I was just yeah. going to say those 35 points were still too much for him because 34 points is a warrior with banner. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of like getting into that threshold then, because then it's like, okay, do I take a banner? Do I take a Warhorn or do I take the Windlands? But like when it's yeah. 75 points, it's like, what, what's the point?
1: Yeah. yeah, and and is I this... honestly think I would probably go for the Warhorn over the Windlance because I don't want to lose Girion's Great Bow. Well, you don't lose it. You can still take Girion with the Great Bow and Windlance, but it's kind of take one or the other. What's the point? So I'd probably prefer to go with the Girion with Great Bow over a 35-point lance
3: Well, I think probably the best way to put it in perspective is the lance is equivalent to a Captain of Dale without any
0: extra equipment and a banner. <laughs> yeah it's shit (laughs) okay thanks for sharing those lists with us let's move on to our open topic uh, our local meta versus the australian meta Topic today we're going to discuss local versus international metas. And Sean here is from Australia, so I think it'll bring some interesting discussions regarding what we're used to here in North America versus overseas. So just to kick things off, what kind of points levels and like number of games are you used to <coughs> where you are? Because I know that here we have, I want to say from like the lowest about 350 points and at the high end we've done a thousand points maybe once but most of the time like our high end is at 800 points and we do like one and two day events and everything in between that
1: yeah uh so our our points value generally is between 300 and a thousand now they're the two wild sides of the spectrum now, once again, I did have a 200 point tournament the other week, but that was really just kind of a, let's do 200 point tournament and see what happens. But in most cases, our tournaments go 300 points, 500 points, 650, 750, 800 and 1,000. So most tournaments will be of those six points values. The only time you're really going to see a two day event are in your 750, 800 and 1,000 point tournaments. Uh, Because that's where we generally go for that six games over two days for those high point values. And they're usually, or the the 750 and the 800, they're what our premier events are at. So we've got four major events, Arda Unleashed in Queensland, Masters, which is in New South Wales. Then you've got, I think it's A-triple-plus, I think is what it's called, which is also New South Wales. And then there's one over in Western Australia that I can't remember the name of. Um, so, they're all between that 750, 800, six games over two days. Some of them are split three on one day, three on the next, and some are four on one day, two on the next. It all really depends. But then your smaller points values are obviously just one day between four to six games. So, the 200 point tournament I had the other week was six games at 200 points. Tournament before that was 800 and four games there's no real set this is exactly what we're going to do there's a lot of change it depends on what the tournament organizer feels like doing if you could even have a thousand point one day event with just four games really really depends that sounds exhausting (laughs) yeah it it is even the 200 events six games 200 points over a day i was knackered i i got home and i just crashed like i think just any amount If you spend a whole day playing a game, especially at a tournament, where you want to do well, you're going to drain yourself completely.
4: That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, we get, like, a two-day tournament here when we used to be able to have tournaments. And, yeah, even, like, fatigue sets in, and then even that second day people are tired, just from the first day. And it's, like, even at 200 points, like, I, I don't care how quickly your games go... Any points level where you can have so much as a decent-sized warband can be just a lot of time spent. It is, yeah. It's, it is draining. I think we did four games at 600 once, and
3: a
1: lot of people were getting pretty grumpy at the end of the day. <laughs> well, we, we tend to as well. arter Unleashed, whenever it was, beginning of 2020, so just before everything went to shit. So we had four games on the first day, and then it was two games on the second day. That first day, by the last game, everyone was feral. It was hot. Everyone was sweaty. We were tired. And so we all decided to go to the pub afterwards and get absolutely hammered and then come back the next day. (laughs) But I think that's just the Australian way, really. When you're cranky, you're upset. You're depressed because you lost four games. You go and drink. Or if you're happy, you go and drink. (laughs) So, yeah, no, definitely... By the next day, everyone's usually either hungover or just dead from the previous day.
0: So over in Europe, I know that good versus evil is really popular. Mm. Is it a big thing in Australia? Do you have like a mix between like blue on blue kind of tournaments and good and evil? Or do the TOs there prefer one over the other?
1: 90% of the tournaments will be whatever you want. Good versus evil, evil versus evil good versus good just bring an army and we're going to have a game the 200 point tournament that was a good versus evil tournament but we were to take two lists each one good one evil and then before each game we would roll to see who was playing good and who was playing evil so that was that was quite a lot of fun that tournament and actually having good versus evil that was a lot of fun but yeah most cases it's yeah it's just bring an army and we'll go at it doesn't matter if it's good versus good, evil versus evil, whatever.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I like that idea. I think we've had um, similar ideas in Canada here that ter- for tournaments that we wanted to run. But I think the issue was that it kind of is harder for newer players with less armies or certain players who only play one army. Um, mm. So it, it's more of like a logistical thing and we don't want to like leave anyone out. But yeah, we almost never see any good versus evil exclusive tournaments especially the big big tournaments in north america like uh, nova open or the adepticon yeah it's always just bring whatever you want
1: yeah our big premiere events are those um, similar to what you mentioned about nova open of just being bring whatever you want Uh, it's usually the more specialized i say specialized events that will give you restrictions saying you have to bring this or you can only take 400 points of troops in a 800 point tournament so the other 400 points has to be heroes there's some events like that just to spice things up a bit obviously yeah it does exclude some players especially the new players but as I said like a large majority of our events just regular good old-fashioned tournaments and so that's where you'll see all the the newer players people who only have one army and, and so on So I think the Queensland League, like I've only recently just joined the Queensland League in the past few months. And I have found that they do enjoy having a bit more of that random spicy event where they'll throw in a random rule here and there. But the next event is an escalation tournament. So each round, the points values increase. So I think we're starting off at 200 points and then we go up to 4 or 450 and then up to six then up to seven and all the way up to a thousand points. So I think we're having six games. We have to take the same army and then you just add to that army as the points go up.
0: Do you think there are any specific armies that do like really well in Australia right now that are kind of top tier that you always see at like top tables or is it generally pretty balanced like a variety of lists and and also like do you see a lot of pure lists and legendary legions or are the top lists generally like yellow or red alliance
1: would you say most people will go for that pure list there are obviously a lot of people that do allies but you very very rarely see yellow or red allies you very rarely i think i've only seen them pop up once or twice in the past few years legendary legions are popular for people who enjoy theme yes there are some legendary legions that are incredible Theoden's Riders, for example. But then you've got some like Ugluck Scouts, which is kind of like, it can be good, but it's nothing special. So I, I run Ugluck Scouts because I was lucky enough to get a full medal for Scout Army. So I was like, Ugluck Scouts, let's do this. But yeah, so when I got back into the hobby, obviously Theoden's Riders Legendary Legion was the meta. You saw that everywhere. Everyone took it to tournaments. It didn't necessarily always get to the top tables, but you definitely saw it everywhere. Iron Hills is another one that you are starting to see a lot more now. And Angmar is incredibly popular at the moment. You'll always see at least one Angmar list at a tournament. If
3: we can uh, all think really hard, I'm sure we can figure out why
0: that is.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Uh,
0: yeah, and, those um, Angmar and, and Iron Hills are also very popular, uh, I would say, yeah. in North America. They
1: are a very good army. So if you get your top tier players like your Kylie's, your Joshes, um, your Lochlands playing those meta armies, you'll see them at a top table. But those guys in most cases like playing lists that, you know, are themy for them. That's a really big thing in Australia is theme. People like playing themy lists. You don't see many power game or what do the Europeans call it? Frankenstein lists and all that sort of stuff. Filth. Filth. Yeah, just absolute <laughs> filth. Most lists are theming. There's a reason why they brought the list, not just because, hey, this is the best list. Rohan was obviously popular because of the Palinor Fields box. So all the new players were like, oh, I've got a bunch of Rohan. I'm going to play Rohan. And it just so happens that their Legendary Legion is incredible. Like, the Dunland Legendary mm-hmm. Legion is incredible, but I have seen it once. Do you guys so, also
3: see a big uh, influx of Army of the Dead and uh, Moran and Orc too? Oh,
1: there was a lot of Army of the Dead. I didn't see many Moran and Orcs. It was Rohan and, um, and Army of the Dead that, yeah, they really got the calling. I actually completely forgot about Army of the Dead for a minute. But, yeah, they were really popular as well. Return
0: of the King is pretty pretty big in North America.
1: Mm. But I think that's a big reason why I, I have no intention of playing them. It's probably because you see them everywhere, and I personally like playing the armies that are a bit more obscure. That's a big reason why I went with Dale. But, yeah, like... <laughs> Yes, there is a meta, but it's more a meta in the sense of what is being brought, not necessarily what's doing the best. I'm building a Gondor list at the moment, and I'm not sure what it's like over, you know, your side of the world with mounted heroes, but my Gondor list has, and it's the first time I'm actually taking a Cav contingent, is unmounted Boromir with Banner with the hey. Shootable <laughs> and... It's Hurin, Hurin the Tall, on horse, leading the horses. I've sent this list to so many people, and the first thing they say is, where's Boromir's horse? Give him a horse. He needs a horse. Nah. Nah. Don't need that. I <laughs> do need I've that. I've
3: done the same thing, because I only own a Boromir on foot with the banner, and it's it's fine. It's passable. It works. He's in the yeah, inventory line the, where you want him to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I do build a lot of my lists around... I guess, my own head cannon. And in my mind, Boromir is not running around on the flanks with Cav. Boromir is in the front line with that banner, with his men. And so, yeah, as my list building, I don't tend to build it towards that competitive edge. I like to win with, I guess, theme lists, or lists
4: that I feel is what would have happened in, in said situation. You know, it's, it's okay to admit that you lost your mounted Boromir model.
1: I bought, recently, the Boromir pack, and I gave the mounted Boromir and the Boromir without banner to someone else, because I just didn't want it.
4: That's how much I did not want Boromir on horse.
3: Avoiding (laughs) temptation. Smart.
4: That's a a, a level of not wanting your hero mounted that I've never seen before. Because I feel Um, like, amongst the four of us, the general rule is, if you can mount the hero, you do it. And especially with a, a hero like Boromir... But at least Bormir on foot, you are right. Like He is highly capable of doing damage on foot. He doesn't yeah. have to be mounted to do that damage. But yeah, he is uh, pretty strong by himself as it is. But I, I think here amongst the four of us in, in our community, for sure, you'd, you'd see pretty much most times he'd have his horse.
1: Yeah, th- there is a big discussion that's been going on for a few weeks in the Australian community about mounting heroes. And I'm very much on the, if you don't have to, you don't need to. Like, don't just mount it. If you've got four heroes and you're going to mount all of them, then there's 40 points that could be used for a banner <laughs> or a few extra troops. You know, so that's that's how I look at it. But yeah, it's, it's a huge discussion, ongoing discussion within the Australian community of mounting or not mounting all the time. So a lot of people will just there's... write a list. They'll say, I'm taking this guy and he's automatically got a horse.
2: Uh, most competitive players in North America would usually mount their heroes and it's not really a discussion so (laughs) it'd be interesting hearing the Australian people who are arguing your side but yeah I don't know what do you guys think about like the Frankenstein I know I play a decent amount of them
1: I personally uh, I hate Frankenstein lists (laughs) like just I see it on the table and I'm like I'm not going to enjoy this game because like I, I love Lord of the Rings. I love everything to do with it. And so when I'm playing the game, I kind of want to be immersed in it. I don't want to see oh, what's a really crazy one. Like Rivendell Knights running Gua here, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I don't want to see that. I want to see something that's plausible. It's, it's all fantasy to be fair, but yeah. Like someone put up a list a while ago, a Gondor list, where they were taking four Avenged Bolt throwers. And everyone looked at that and just kind of cried because they're like, that's just, it's filth. Let's not do that. Siege weapons is, is another pretty big topic in Australia at the moment. A lot of people don't take siege weapons solely for the fact of most of these siege weapons you don't see on the battlefield. So we're not going to take them. And that's a that's a huge thing in Australia is, is this something that would happen I say in real life because obviously Lord of the Rings Middle Earth has that influence from real life and real historical facts and whatnot so yeah it's like would you see a trebuchet would you see three trebuchets being put in the middle of a pitched battle Mm, probably not and and that's that's a huge thing here because I think a lot of people that do play those filthy lists those Frankenstein lists and whatnot I say get ridiculed but not in a not in a bad way. Kind of, it's like, oh, why would you why would you do that? Kind of.
0: Like even the competitive players, the people that go to win, go to a tournament to win, they would still be relatively thematic.
1: Yeah, 100%. So Arda Unleashed, Kylie brought Corsairs and a Hasharin heavy Corsair list. I think she had two or three in that list. You know, that's on paper. It's not that competitive. It's really not. It's it's a decent list. It's good. It can do a job. But when it's in the hands of Kylie, uh, to be honest, any army in the hands of Kylie is going to be the best list ever. Um, she's just incredible. So, yeah. I would say locally, we're
0: generally pretty thematic as well, right? We don't see a lot of, like, unthematic alliances, like convenient alliances. Like, there are some. Richard, I know, Ian sometimes plays them. But I'd still say, that like, the majority are pure or green alliance or legendary legions. Wouldn't you guys yeah. say so?
2: And let's not go down this route. Just because I play Frankensteinless doesn't mean I only play Frankensteinless. Like, my finish at Nova Open, you know, like, playing on the top table, I was I was playing the Battle of the Five Armies. So, And looking back at the most recent Nova Open, too, I know the top three players were all pure lists, and then Charles and myself got fourth and fifth, and we were both playing either green or pure as well, so... And that's that's basically, like, the most premier tournament in North America. So, I mean, I definitely think it's really similar in that sense, where mm-hmm. I think those peer lists can do very
1: well. You can see a few, um, like, Frankenstein-esque lists floating around Australia, but they're for a thematic reason. So, Lockie recently, you may have seen, he took uh, he took a Rohan list, which had, I'm pretty sure it was Aragon and King Alisar. But he themed it and he converted all these models to make Aragon, young Aragon, when he was running around Rohan. What's his name again? Thorongil. Yeah,
0: when he was when he was fighting with Angle.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he themed that list around that and he made the conversions and everything. And when that happens, then I personally and most people could not care less because it's it's done for a reason. There's a theme behind it everything's being converted up but if you're suddenly taking king Alisar with boromir captain of the white tower then people are going to be a bit like mm, i see why you did it because that's amazing but also please don't okay um,
2: <laughs> let me take it back actually charles's list that was charles's
0: list with aragorn and boromir. <laughs> it was legal back then yeah
2: and we're it, all, was,
1: we're it was all a pure, list. It was Look, a pure I, list i ran back in the day it was men of durden forest with eagles and that was back when the Stork Unseen or Elven Cloak, whatever it's called, where you could hide behind your own models as well. It's an army that I'd love to do again, but there's just, there's no theme behind it. There's nothing. I don't even know why I built it back in the day. But um, yeah, I think we're all definitely, not guilty, but we've all taken unthemed lists before. You definitely see unthemed lists floating around. Sometimes it's because you don't have all the models you need for an army. So sometimes you kind of just got to scrap stuff together. And that's fine. But in most cases, yeah, theme wins out over being more competitive, having that more competitive edge.
3: Have never ever really seen Red Alliances? Like, I don't think I've ever seen a Red Alliance in person that I can think of.
1: I don't, I haven't. I don't think I have. I think someone a while back was talking about running a Red Alliance with Kurdan and, oh, this is obviously before the nerf, but Kurdan and something else. But I just remember looking at it and going, the Red Alliance doesn't even matter. It's still amazing, but this this was ages ago at this point, and I deliberately tried to get the list.
0: So going to um, army compositions a little bit, you previously mentioned that you don't necessarily like mounted heroes. Now, would you say that like the competitive armies in your meta are more like balance lists? So like you you want to get like the optimal model count, you want like the high defense, or you want like mobility certain aspects like shooting magic would you say that a lot of the best players go for those things in every army or would you say that there are certain ones that are kind of more important than
1: others it all comes down to each individual player and their play style there are some people who can do absolutely everything you know that there's some players that like not having any mounted models at all and that's kind of me I personally don't like mounted models, but that just suits me. Yeah, it it really depends. A lot of people do like having that, I can do a little bit of everything in my list. I've got a few, like, let's say they're running Isengard, they might throw in one or two Wargs. They'll put, you know, Saruman and Thryden on horse, so they've got a little bit of magic. They've got that hitting power. They've got the mobility with the Wags. They've got the high defense with the Urukai. Yeah, it really does depend on the individual player themselves. Like, there's a lot of people who will happily run around with defense three armies and not have an issue with that. Like, Dale, for example, does not have an optimized list at all. But that does not phase me because the way I play suits using Dale. Yeah, that's what it really comes down to. You will see a lot of people build a list to have a little bit of everything, but then they realize, oh, this doesn't suit me. Why didn't it suit me? Oh, it's because there weren't enough bows, or there's too much cav. So I'm gonna just get rid of that. I didn't like having so and so on horse, so I'll trade him out. I'll bring in another warrior, build that model count up a little bit. It just comes down to everyone individually. I know I keep saying that, sorry, but yeah, that's that's a big thing. That's a big thing in Australia is everyone does something different. You don't see a lot of the same lists floating around unless they're easily accessible like Rohan and Army of the Dead.
4: Yeah, that was just one of the first things that you mentioned talking about your use of Dale Was reminded me of a conversation that we've had a, a few times really as I, I think a lot of players find the best way to go about finding the army they want to play is finding out what their play style is, how they best play, and then finding the army that suits that, rather than trying to make an army suit them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Like, I'm building this Corsair list. I've played four games with
1: my Corsairs at very low point values. I've built the list to 750. I have no idea how I'm going to go. I could possibly hate playing Corsairs, because they just might not suit me. I'm also building this Gondor army at the moment and potentially I could not enjoy that. When I don't enjoy playing an army, I tend to do worse with that army.
0: I'm just thinking um, certain models that we see I know that the FAQ last year kind of changed how alliances work, but, you know, there are certain models that you see in, like, in the competitive scene, often allied in. So, like, for example, at, like, higher points tournaments, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if you see, like, Kyrdan everywhere or Lady of Light, stuff like that allied into lists. So, you know, I'm just kind of curious whether you're used to seeing patterns like that.
1: Yes and no. It, I, I really haven't seen Kyrdan floating around for a lot recently. He's just kind of vanished. Now, is is Galadriel Lady of Light? That's not the War Profile one, is it? That's just the regular. Oh, it is.
0: It is. It's the one from the Way okay. Council with uh with Banish.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't seen her floating around either. I've seen regular Galadriel running around a lot. So you'll see her. Any Lothlorien army she's basically you're going to see her. She'll be there. But yeah, as, as you don't really see any random heroes just suddenly being allied into lists to get that red or yellow alliance. Heroes that you'll see a lot, you'll see Theoden a lot, obviously. You'll see a lot of Aragons running around. All the classics, really. You'll, you'll see Legolas, Gimli. They'll always be in an event. There's no, I'm trying to think of it, there's really no heroes that you'll, or like unexpected heroes. So you're not going to suddenly see a lot of Amders floating around or a lot of Imrahils. Like Imrahills has got an incredible list. You can do some really good stuff with Dol Amroth, but you're not necessarily going to see him everywhere. You're not going to see him all the time. But m- most tournaments you go to, nearly everyone has a different list is there's a really nice spread very rarely will you see doubling ups obviously there will be a few double ups like iron hills and dwarves that are popular at the moment but yeah like the, the event went to the other week i was very surprised at how just how different everyone's lists were even lists that were all from the same faction even they look different and you'd look at them and go that's you wouldn't even picture them being from the same the same faction
0: that's very interesting I know locally, sometimes it's it's like you described, um, you go to a tournament and then there are 12, 16 players and everyone almost has a different list, different faction. But then there are certain events where you go and you're like, oh, there's four Rohan players today or, oh, there's three Iron Hills players today. So it sounds like you guys have pretty uh, good variety down there. Yeah. That's kind of compared to us. And and also, like, we don't see a ton of the Rare Armies. Like, I've never seen a Dale Army, for example, up here <laughs>
1: The the rarer armies are getting real popular recently. And, and I think that's because people who don't really want to run around with the meta. They see the meta overseas, they see what the meta is here. And they're like, eh, I want to do something different. I want to be different. And once again, that's why I took Dale. My first army I started when I got back into the hobby about two years ago was, was Khand. That was my first army. And I was really excited to go to this first event. I was like, cool, I'm taking Khan. Nobody ever takes Khand. And there was two other Khan lists. <laughs> yeah, all those rarer lists are getting, getting popular, which is good. Like, you don't see many Gondor lists running around anymore. Back in the day was, yeah, number one.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I think this edition, last couple of years since this edition came out, I think here we've seen a greater variety of armies. I think the new edition really brought out, like, a reason for every army to get some playtime regardless of what it was, with the exception of maybe Sharky's Rogues, but... I think you mean
1: Sharky's Rouges. Rouges. Actually, I I don't want to say they're popular here, but the past two tournaments, at least out of the last four tournaments I've gone to, I've seen them at two events. So one was at the 200-point event, and one was at a 750-point event. Even they're getting runs.
4: We did see one rogues list at Nova a couple of years ago. But aside from that, the armies in general, I think, we saw a much greater variety once the new edition came out. With the army bonuses, the Alliance Matrix, Legendary Legions, it's really brought out a lot of different aspects that maybe last edition had been lost. Last edition, I think, it started to really, near the end, really boil down to like a lot of elves, Iron Hills, and Mordor. And ironically, I'm still sitting here playing a lot of Mordor and uh, <laughs> Khazad-dûm a bit now of, of uh, Rivendell. But no, it's, there's a lot more. Like now, all of a sudden, with the recent um, announcement of the new Easterling profiles, all of a sudden there's been a little bit of excitement around Easterlings, which is. Nice because I feel like Easterling has got absolutely zero attention ever. Oh yeah. Uh, but also so, their army bonus is just disappointing. Yeah, they need they need a better army bonus. Because I feel like we once had a player come in and he wanted to start playing the game. He liked the look of the Easterling models. And I I don't know if it was because everything went out of stock, but I think interest starts to wane just because of the lack of options but mm. still it's one of those things where we've started to see a little bit of everything and that's that's really nice to see like whenever i see like a pure moria army at a tournament i'm like that's great because yeah. i feel like last edition we just you'd never see moria not yeah. once never
0: well thank you sean for uh, joining us in this discussion today and for sharing your experience with dale yeah. thank you guys thanks to our listeners for listening and look forward to the next episode of into the west podcast